cult podcast features adult themes and graphic descriptions of violence and is not recommended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Seriously. If you like our podcast, follow us on Instagram at cult podcast or follow us on Twitter at cult podcast show for show updates. And please rate and review our show on iTunes. If you've been in a cult and you want to tell us about it, email us at cultpodcastshow at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. And most importantly, enjoy the show. Don't drink the Kool-Aid. For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm. Organizations that require monetary or physical sacrifices as a condition of membership. Organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers. Organization in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships. And organizations that actively recruit new members. All cults might have some or all of these traits. And as always, these these are are our opinions. Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm the very sick Armando Torres. And with us today we have... Andrea Gazetta. Yay! Yay. And it is Mondo's week. Unfortunately. No, I... I just I'm uh I got I got like kind of sick and uh, like it just hit me hard the last like uh yesterday really um at night you ever have that you yeah. ever have that just like it I literally felt like I coughed wrong and then oh, my yeah. throat was sore and then you're just like dead yeah yeah and then I was like what the f-? so it just like jumped in on me but that means that I got to stay home today and do a bunch of research and there's crazy fucking people so I'm really excited to share with what you what were you gonna do instead. Pretty much the same thing. Okay. Uh, but with more vigor. <laughs> Does that mean you did this research lying down? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. <laughs> you just sometimes, like drop the, the laptop on your yeah. chest and tap oh, at it. I swear to God, sometimes I was doing research uh, by laying straight on my back and just lifting the laptop above my face. I've been there. I've done that. All right, so today we are talking about the true Russian Orthodox Church. What? Yeah, the true Russian Orthodox Church. And uh, before we get into it, I'm going to go ahead and name my sources. (sighs) So my sources for today's episode are ABC News, BBC News, which stands for Big Black Cock News. (laughs) (laughs) It Uh, does not, but now I wish it did. (laughs) Today in Big Black Cock News... (laughs) White women. We love them. No. Uh, okay. Oh, God. <laughs> Mondo. We Horribly cannot. racist. Yeah. No, it's fine. CBC News, CNN, Russia Today, The Times, and the following books. Anti-religious campaigns is archived in the Library of Congress. Father Arseny, 1893 to 1973 by Alexander. No last name, just accredited to <laughs> Alexander. As if there's only one Alexander in Russia. Yeah, just to prove it wrong, uh, The Bolsheviks in Power by Alexander Rabanowicz. Uh, Report on Paranoid Schizophrenia by the Mayo Clinic. The Russian Orthodox Church by Jane Ellis. And The Russian Provisional Government by the Stanford University Press. Damn. So, yeah, I did a All little bit. Sources. I did a little bit more reading than I normally do, as far as like reading like some reports, and then even like um, probably shouldn't mention it like this, but like stealing books online, finding PDFs of books uh, that I didn't want to spend forty dollars on. Um, oh, because they're textbooks. Yeah, so mm. I just kind of found some stuff. 
So uh, let's get into it. As I mentioned to you guys off air a couple of seconds ago, the true Russian, well, first of all, obviously, the true Russian Orthodox Church takes place in Russia. Now, if you remember from our Mueller She Wrote episode, I am of the belief that Russia is largely populated mostly by bears. Can you confirm or deny? <laughs> uh, yeah, they are almost entirely cops. Bear cops. Okay. Uh, great, great, great. Bear cops, season three on NBC. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Russia has had, like, a, a very weird history, and um, something that I mentioned to you guys is one of the things that I really thought I was going to be was uh, a history teacher, like a high school-level history teacher, because in high school, I had a couple of history teachers, and those were the only teachers that gave a shit about teaching their subjects. Uh, like, I had a lot of math teachers who were like, I've, I've been done. I've been done for 20 years. <laughs> I was waiting for the clock to run out. And then we had some, uh, oddly enough, we had the football coaches who were f- history teachers. And they were like, I got to relate it to these kids so that they understand. And That's like, how ours was, too. Yeah, they, yeah. like, really, yes. gave, like, really yeah. gave a shit. <clears throat> I had a math teacher who was a hoarder. Yeah, I yeah, That's, I think we all have. Wow. Yeah. Okay. He had like at least one full medical skeleton in that room and he did not teach science. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would just find trash around the room and use it to demonstrate stuff. He'd be like, like this bag of stale marshmallows. If I throw it, the ark is a parabola. And I was just like, why am I in this class? <laughs> Please clean something. <laughs> So a little bit of this is stuff that I've already known and I like explaining, but some of this is stuff that I did have to look up. So I, it's a little mix of both, but it, it's definitely going to sound familiar if you recently just got out of a high school history class. Uh, all right, so let's get into it. Let's first start off with a little bit of context. Uh, the Soviet Union. So Russia was one of the last feudal systems in like place. Feudal system being, uh, you know, there's lords and nobles. And then they live on property with serfs who are not necessarily slaves, but basically slaves. Mm -hmm. Like, they have no rights, they have nothing, um, but you can't, like, buy and sell them. They come with the land, you know? So serfdom was eventually abolished in 1860, but poorly. Wow. Yeah, 18... It was... so late. It... Russia was, honest to God, like, the last people to still have it. And they didn't... They did a horrible job with abolishing it. Like, they just did it. But they didn't put anything in place to, like, help out the people that used to be serfs. It's, like, it's been described as, like, Jim Crow laws on steroids. Like, it's terrible, the things that they did to these people. Um, there was an economic divide that was, like, the the worst in the entire history. This is where we get into, like, uh, the peasants and then the bourgeoisie, you know? Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is, like, those things that I mean, this is what ins- essentially began... Oh yeah, definitely. That's exactly what happened. Um, so there's this huge divide between the Tsar. Um, if you're not like a noble or an aristocrat or a lord, like you're just fucked. So in 1917, after like all of this huge fucking terribleness that was going on, that's when the February Revolution happened, which is the, basically the start of the fall of the Tsar. There was two big revolutions, and the first one was the February Revolution. Alexander Rabanowicz described it, uh, the, the French 1917 revolution grew out of pre-war political and economic instability, technological backwardness, and fundamental social divisions coupled with mismanagement of the war effort, continuing military defeats, domestic economic dislocation, and outrageous scandals surrounding the monarchy. So essentially, you have everyone who's in charge is fucking corrupt and pieces of shit. 
Well, they're also, they just inherited their jobs by birth. Exactly. They're not necessarily qualified exactly. to Exactly. Yeah, they're not. They're they're really not. Um, there's all these scandals going on. They're, like, in wars, and they keep, like, losing. Well, it's World War One. Yeah. They're yeah. not, they're, they didn't know what the fuck was going on, so they don't know what they're doing. This don't is forget- never... Oh, sorry. I was gonna say, don't forget about inbreeding, eh? <laughs> oh, yeah. In- inbreeding, um... What uh, what's hemophilia is the yeah, the well, biggest factor, what, huge factor in what brought down and Rasputin. Yeah, dun, 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 dun. yeah. You also have. I mean, this is the thing is with like autocracy is that you it's it never works because there's nothing to keep anything in place. You right. know, like there's other there's like an illusion to it after they get rid of uh, serfdom, but then there there's like, there is nothing. There really isn't anything. There's just one guy. And if you don't agree with him, you just, it, you get like, get fucked, you know, it's. Or killed in some cases. Exactly. Yeah. So this is like the February revolution starts happening. And some of it is like breadline, uh, <laughs> like literally people in breadlines was being like, Bread! and like freaking out. So like, that's kind of silly. But then you also have like people going up to like the military and being like, fuck you. And like, just, fuck you and starting like mini wars if that makes like a civil war almost so you have like a lot of people going crazy um well there's just so much desperation like if you're fighting about bread i mean i mean it's soft rock it's not worth it <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean really that's the thing is that when you're fighting for your even just your like basic right to live like if you ever yeah, look in like, your like basic yeah. necessities whereas like then you see people on carriages just like throwing food at, you know like these just there's so much waste and excess in the aristocracy and then you can't even eat like yeah and you're trying to cut carbs but literally all they have is bread it's <laughs> so lame it's it is so hard to be on keto diet when all we have to eat is who bread who must i kill for jerky <laughs> who must i jerk for jerky okay ah, <laughs> that's good who must i jerk for keely <laughs> So the 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 Tsar, uh, who was uh, Nicholas II, I believe, the Tsar at the time was warned by a guy named uh, Rodz Rodzianko. Uh, I'm really bad with Russian names. You Rodzianko, who was the chairman of the Duma, which is like the kind house. Of, yeah, basically. they're they're Congress. Yeah. If you at will. this time, again, though, there's an autocracy, so like it's like, yeah, we have a Congress, but it's like whatever this guy says, we got to do it, so it doesn't matter. Uh, he sends him a telegram, and the telegram roughly translates to, uh, The situation is serious. The capital is in a state of anarchy. The government is paralyzed. Transport service and the supply of food and fuel have become completely disrupted. General discontent is growing. There must be no delay. Any procrastination is tantamount to death. So it's like a really, like, dire warning. Uh, the Tsar, who I can only describe to as the historical equivalent of Donald Trump now. <laughs> He's not joking, though. Responded. That, that's true. Responded by saying, and I quote, Again, this fat Rodzianko has written me lots of nonsense to which I shall not even reply. That He was literally like, if you don't do something, you will die. And the guy was like, shut up, fatty. Literally Fake called news. him fat. Fake news. Literally called him fat. And then said fake news because his wife was like, nah, it's fine. That's true. He did take a lot of of advice from his wife who was royal blood. She, I believe, is related to Victoria of England. So I, I think don't, it's I Germany. Don't, probably I think, I think it it's is. Germany. Well, there is a link between Germany and England at this time as well because yeah. George III is technically German. 
I only know this from watching copious amounts of Blackadder. Anyway, that's how the hemophilia passed through. Um, so she is not even a native Russian. So for her, I think she's just thinking about what other people have done in the past and what she's seen growing up and just giving out advice without any real, again, qualifications to lead. Exactly. And so Nicholas basically says, like, that's fake news, that's bullshit, uh, I'm not going to listen to it. So the next thing that happens is Nicholas is uh, abdicated, which means he no longer has any power, and his entire family is imprisoned, um, and eventually they get killed by Bolshevik guards, which is something that a lot of people don't agree on exactly how it happened, but essentially... The short of it is that him, I believe his mom, his wife, and, like, his kids were, like, taken out at two in the morning, uh, out of their cells, put against a wall, and then the Bolshevik guards just shot at them and then killed them. Like, they shot, people said that they shot, uh, Nicholas II in the chest a bunch of times. Some people say the head, but there's no, like, bullet wounds in the head when they found the skull or when they reported they found it. So people disagree, but... They also buried them in lie, if I remember correctly, so a lot of, of evidence is destroyed and then a cartoon bat also saw it but like he's not a reliable <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the bolsheviks were a marxist group led by vladimir lenin who you know eventually seized power and formed the soviet union i'm kind of blah blah blahing over a lot of stuff over like 50 years yeah, yeah. There, there's a lot Wait, of stuff that happened i thought he founded the beatles ah Kill the phone. Or is it the Beatles? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) We all have terrible accents. This is going to be... I thought it was going to be so fun to do these accents, and then as I'm doing them, I'm like, oh, this is a horrible At one point, it's just going to skew wildly Jamaican or Irish, and it's going to be hilarious. (laughs) Legalize it. Legalize it. Okay. All right. During the autocracy, the Russian Orthodox Church had official status. And despite what you might think with Orthodox, it's Christianity. Christianity... Mm -hmm. Um, being pretty much the biggest religion in Russia, and the Russian Orthodox Church being the biggest church in Russia, meaning when they when I say that they had official status, I mean that they were basically like remember when I said like lords, nobles, aristocrats, they were the people in power that like the church too. They they're, were like an unofficial branch of government. They're like religion. The, well, they're kind of like the Pope was in Italy for a long time. Yes, yes. you know they or had a the Church of England. Yeah, yeah, and they they amassed a ton of wealth, mm-hmm. and they were essentially like the right hand of the state. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Especially when you say that, like, you're picked by God to rule. Well, they're, like, the ones who speak for God, so you right. kind of want to keep them in your pocket. Yeah, you know? right. so you that's... give them enough money, God will really say whatever you want. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, if I've so learned anything terrible. about the church. Uh... <laughs> so, again, I'm basically blah, blah, blahing a lot here. Um, but communism fell under its own weight, which, I mean, this is a political or philosophical debate, I guess, but communism can work, but not in the magnitude of the gigantic Soviet Union. See, I don't believe it works at all, but that's just me. I think that, like, when they've had those social experiments where they, like, run factories and stuff, like, small scale? I agree with you. That's small what scale, I'm saying. yeah, sure. But on the biggest scale of, like, one of the largest superpowers of the world, that's the thing, is communism in ways was very successful. It took one of the least successful countries in the world and turned it into a superpower in a relatively short period of time one of the only two basically like there's us and them and then like if you can argue china but that was like also due to communism you know what i'm saying so like yeah 
it has its ups, it has its downs, but the thing is, is that the people who it says that they're going to help never truly get help. Right. That's my issue with it, is that at some point someone has to disperse the wealth. Exactly. And that assumes that people are basically good and that they are egalitarian in their motives. And I am of the belief that people are generally shitty. <laughs> we yeah. suck. Because I've worked in retail and it, it <laughs> breaks exactly. you. Um, one thing that the communists did do because they had such a horrible negative view of the autocracy and of everyone who held power during that is they were really the first people to, in the history of ever, uh, eliminate religion. Like, I mean, all religion, like Christianity, like everything. And they actually were the first to become uh, an atheist state. They actually taught atheism in school. Like, you know how we have to, like, work to separate it? They were like, there is no God, children. After the fall of communism, um, there was, uh, basically they replace it with a self-governing republic. Russia kind of unifies itself. Um, one of the things that they change after communism leaves is they're like, all right, you can be free to be religious again. Hey, everybody, choose what you want to choose. You can do it. Um, here's the thing, though, is that in the world that they had now come into was different and changed. So it wasn't just religions that were there before, but there was a bunch of foreign religions like Mormonism, uh, Jehovah's Witness, uh, like other things that they had previously not heard about that were now flooding in and people who were like, imagine you had been told never to, like, have ice cream, and then you went to, like, a 31 Flavors or something, and you're mm -hmm. like, there's way more than I even could have imagined! And right. then, so now you have, like, Rum Raisin, Ugh. and uh, Mormonism, you know, you just have <laughs> all thing. the flavors. Same thing. Yeah, Mormonism is definitely the Rum Raisin yeah. of... Some people Except like I don't it. even think... Some I don't... people like Who? it. Mormons. A couple people in our Facebook group, actually. <laughs> I, I'm going to be honest. I had rum raisin ice cream the other day. Pretty good. Pretty good. The one I had, pretty good. It was made in Mexico. Pretty good. Oh. I think it was just vanilla with raisins in it. Those could have <laughs> been cockroaches. Pretty good. Oh, God. No, no. Oh, oh sorry. Sorry. Cucarachas. That's worse than the coconut visual. <laughs> So, uh, another thing that was making the Russian government wary of new religious freedoms was the rise of the destructive Japanese death cult, Om Shinrikyo. What? What? Yeah. Om Shinrikyo, we did, you know, a three-part right. series How, on. When did that happen? What year was Om Shinrikyo? That was going on mid-1990s, like 1995 oh, was the sarin okay. gas attacks. Correct. And in mid-1990s, they actually got a bunch of... Um, like sections of their cult in Russia. Like people in Russia started joining Om Shinrikyo. There actually are still Om Shinrikyo outposts in Russia, but they also bought a lot of Russia's military equipment yeah. after the fall of the Soviet Union. After the fall of the Soviet Union, Om Shinrikyo started buying Soviet weapons. Oh, um, right, right, right. And even scooping up Soviet scientists for their like weird experiments. So that happened in 1995, the sarin gas attacks, I mean. Um, and they've found branches of the cult as recently as 2016 in uh, in Russia. So they're like, they, they were scared of it. Alive well and wearing those brain helmets. So sorry. <laughs> um, in order to prevent damage and uh, terrorist attacks like the sarin gas attacks, and to cull the growing presence of even more cults, including Om Shinrikyo itself, the Duma passed legislation to control religious practice and organizations. Uh, this bill was aimed 
to differentiate between new religions and possible cults and traditional religions like Christianity, Catholicism, Judaism, Buddhism, etc., etc., etc. Buddhism? Buddhism. Buddhism. It, it's Bubba Sparks' religion. <laughs> yeah, where you just worship the booty? Yeah. Yeah. Hey. Found hey. Get it together. Bring it back to me. So a problem with this is that the law was passed by people who were trying to stop the creation and spread of deadly cults, but it was also, like, piggybacked by people who were looking to persecute smaller religions, um, and, and this came off as kind of, like, controlling, which led citizens to seek out new religions anyways, because they had just got... This is... This is Russia's rebellious phase, where they're like, fuck you, government. Don't tell me what to do, dad! Exactly. Yeah. Like, it's like when your parents try to tell you who to date, and you're like, that sounds extra appealing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but it's actually just a bunch of sweaty, courageous guys with big old dicks. Well, maybe that isn't That's that bad. very similar. That's, yeah. yeah. Um, so this law kind of puts the Roman Orthodox Church back on top and almost guaranteed it the spots as Russia's official religion. Uh, some people even described it as a separate branch of the government. Here's the thing that's kind of fucked up, is they put the ROC back on top, and later on, just like as a side note to what we talked about earlier, Nicholas II, they made him a saint. They, like, named him a martyr and made him a saint. That guy was a piece of shit. He was, so, but, alright, whatever. He was an uninformed elitist child who was given more responsibility than he could handle. Exactly. And uh, what you have is a rebellious nation. You have a nation that now has the privilege to be able to see any religion that it wants. You have the people in charge who you already don't truly trust telling you maybe don't look into these new religions. So what you have is essentially the most fertile ground for a cult to start up. Yeah. What year are you talking now? So now we're getting into like 1990s, early 2000s. Okay, so you kind of set the backdrop of the eradication of religion as the impetus for how these cults popped up. Yeah. It's happening. Right okay. now in Russia, and this isn't even the only cult that started in Russia at this time. This is, it just like... It was prime pickings for cults to pop up. It was the best time for them to exist. And now we're moving over uh, to the cult we'll be talking about today. Okay. And its leader, whose name is Pyotr, which I believe is kind of Russian or whatever for Peter, but uh, Pyotr, which is P-Y-O-T-R, Kuznetsov. Uh, K-U-Z-N-E-T-S-O-V. Pyotr Kuznetsov. Kuznetsov. How about John Smith? <laughs> yeah, it's really his name. If you translate it, Peter it's like Quill. Peter. Peter K. Peter P K. Peter K. Uh, Piotr was born in 1964, 54 years old. In what I believe is, so I found two different things. One saying that he was born in the Penza region of Russia. One saying that he was born in Belarus. He was born in 1964. He's 54 years old. He roughly translates to. Uh, would say like mid list uh compared to your dad i don't know really where that is uh he was born in 1964 he yeah. is three years younger than my dad oh oh cool mm -hmm. cool your dad could have done all of these things um he may still he's still alive yeah, he's yeah, still yeah. kicking yeah and he's still cooks, uh, making dad jokes <laughs> i love him somebody mentioned that me and your father should have a spin-off show and i am for it <laughs> you know i mean scheduling would be a bitch <laughs> oh yeah 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 yeah, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I found two things. One said, a, a lot more stuff says that he was born in the Penza region of Russia. And then one said it was in Belarus. 
Um, I'm more inclined to believe Penza because he kind of goes back there a lot. So okay. it seems more like that's that's what was going with. Stomping grounds. Yeah, information on Pyotr in his childhood and adulthood and a lot of stuff are pretty scarce. Like, I had really... I, I messaged Paige a couple of times where I was like, it's kind of hard to find stuff about this guy. I was going through articles and finding stuff about him, but I had to, like, learn how to write it in Russian and then, like translate the page. Does that oh, make sense? Oh, I had to do that when we did Narco Satanicos. Exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it was just, it was really hard to do that because I don't know, like if, like Spanish, French, stuff like that, like I can kind of figure it out, but like something as difficult as Russian, I was having a really difficult time. Right. Well, in no correlation. Yeah. Exactly. And even when you put it through like a translation app, you're still kind of deciphering things because it's not yeah. in our same syntax. And you're like, I hope this translation was right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then also the guy is just kind of a secluded guy. So there there is some stuff that was just harder to find. We can infer from what we know about the regions in either or, but especially in the Penza region, that he was almost definitely poor. At this time, uh, electricity was like a luxury that you really had to... Jeez. Like work to achieve. That's kind of putting in, in into perspective. If that makes yeah. sense. Even well, in nineties. Yeah. Well, well, no, when no, 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 no. Child, no. This is like the seventies. Yeah, this is like nineteen sixty four. But here's so think crazy. Of, yeah, think about electricity. Electricity being a luxury in the seventies. Exactly. When, and this is his childhood was during um the the, the uh, more towards the end and fall of communism. You know when corruption is is at a high. So the poor are very poor. Yeah, and, like, to put it in context, in America in the 70s, we had an electric light orchestra. <laughs> this, this, is a, this, is a, this is a heavy on the 70s, like, alt-rock, prog-rock, name-dropping episode. Hey there, Mr. Blue. Blue. to be with you. Uh, oh, man, I love that song. We've had Brad, we've had ELO. <laughs> We also know um, through a couple of things that his family was religious and it definitely attended service uh, for the Russian Orthodox Church. So that's kind of important to remember is that he was a part of the Russian Orthodox Church and grew up Christian and went to church a bunch. Pyotr grew up during the time when religion was frowned upon, but he also grew up through the fall of communism and the new religion laws. So he really was able to be alive during both times when it was like good and bad to be religious. You know, so it's it's kind of a weird thing to go through that. It's like a definitely not this small of a scale. It's times 10, but I can uh, uh, like kind of compare it to when I was a kid and they were like, Pluto's a planet. And then I grew up and they were like, Pluto's not a planet. And if you say it's a planet, you're a piece of shit and you hate science. And then now they were like, it's, it, maybe it's a planet. We don't know. Yeah. So it's like, what do I do? Do I put it on my diagram of the solar system <laughs> that I made out of golf balls or do I keep it out? What do I do? I really thought that Pluto joke would land. <laughs> I think we're just like, he's right. Yeah, yeah I think no, you, I'm agreeing 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Obviously, it's not as arbitrary as Pluto, but it is being taught and reprogrammed different things in your lifetime is kind of a weird concept to think about. Well, it, it ultimately, anytime anyone does that, it just makes you question all authority. Yeah, exactly. Especially since he's already questioned, like the entirety of Russia is questioning authority at this right. point. Right. 
Um, the Soviet influence on Russia had also made people's views of mass religion change. So people started seeking out like more niche or niche. I don't know what the word is. Uh, niche. I feel like the people who would quiche. correct me are very niche anyway. They're quiche people? Quiche people. I, those are my people. Are you talking <laughs> about people made of quiche or people that love quiche? Either way, yes. I'm in. Because one, one of them I would be like their king and the other one I would be like their murderer. <laughs> <laughs> No, I mean, don't murder them. Just go down on all of them. <laughs> it is a pie. Have you ever... Oh, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you ever been to... She's my quiche pie. Okay, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> she's my yeasty pie. Oh! <laughs> so graphic. <laughs> yeah, so they were a little bit more quiche, if you will. <laughs> uh... Yoder received two degrees of higher education. He's not a dumb person. That's something that I should mention up the What were the degrees, though? Well, like... he went on to be a, a pretty successful civil engineer. Okay, like, so they're good ones. I thought yeah. it was going to be like crystal studies. Yeah, because we, we talked briefly before the podcast about how my degree is in film and therefore useless. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or yeah, no, they were they were useful degrees, and he was like a member of society. He was also married and had a son. Um, and then in 1997, he divorced, left his wife and his son, and headed back to the Penza region. Um, and this is a section of the podcast that is pretty new and specifically to this episode, but this is what I call the speculation zone. Nice. Uh, this is, this is completely speculation and I have nothing to really back this up except for some evidence towards other stuff. So one thing that we do learn eventually is that Pyotr is diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Uh, that is something that does... his break. Yeah, I think this may have been the start, and there's, like, things that we see him get progressively worse and worse, but I think this is, like, what could have started him, like, doing things poorly. He, you, later... Later, you see him and his son, like, get back together. But this could have been, like, the split where he was like, I gotta go do this thing. And he just, like, left. Because he quit his job as a civil engineer, left his wife, left his son, and left, um, I believe he was in Moscow at the time. So he wasn't doing poorly. And he went back to a poor village. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, he left his comfortability to go to nothing. So, 64, to, I'm tr trying to think of how old my parents were in the late 90s. I mean, probably 40s? Yeah, this is yeah. 97, so... That's pretty late for a schizophrenic onset. Like, typically, well, your it onset could have been, be late teens It could have 20s. been coming up more and more okay. and then finally breaking and getting, like, really bad. Any drugs? Any LSD? Not as far as I know. Okay. And not in the future, too. They are huh. pretty tame as far as like stuff like that they're not like a sex cult they're very unsexy i would say Boo. as a whole um you there is hot i guess i'll just put this yogurt back in the fridge <laughs> <laughs> gross <laughs> there is evidence of uh Piotr asking to open a chapel under the roman orthodox church um you mean but, the russian orthodox church yeah what did i say roman yeah. Roman Catholic, Russian Orthodox. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, yeah, under the Rush Orthodox Church. It's just a church that's dedicated <laughs> to prog rock. <laughs> I did it again. Living in the lighted stage. <laughs> approaches the unreal. Okay. I know that none of you out there are appreciating that. Like, two of you. <laughs> 
But this is really, like, one of my favorite episodes I now. I mean, I think I'm potentially one of my friends listens and Mr. Blue Sky was their song to walk back down the aisle at their wedding. Oh, God. It's such a wedding. good song. It's such a good song. It's such a good song. Andrea just looks terrified. We're going to play both of these songs for you afterwards. Prog rock is great. When it's not five minutes of some guy just playing with the guitar, fiddling on one note, it's great. It's amazing. My dad loves exclusively prog rock. I think I love your dad. (laughs) I think I want to hang out with your dad. Anyway. Yeah, my dad's a big ELO and 10CC. He loves him some 10CC. I love 10CC, especially, um, fuck, why can't I remember that song? But it's the one where he goes, uh... You can dance with the gauchos. Exactly like that. Yeah. I think it, I forget I know what it is. That's, it's a really that's long my song. Birth song. No. What? No. Shut up. It's a good song. Well, well, I'm gonna make a prog rock playlist and then share it with the group. That's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> you definitely can do that. Um. Anyway, getting back to the sadness that is Russia instead of the coolness that is Rush. Uh, <laughs> Pyotr asked to open up a chapel under the Russian Orthodox Church, but they said no. They said definitely not, dude. <laughs> I think that was their exact wording, too, was, bro, no! Uh, I mean, that'd be kind of like if you went to the Pope and were like, okay, so I want to open this church but not follow any of your rules. It's my church. And the Pope would be like, who are you? How'd you get inside this Pope mobile? Yeah, it'd, <laughs> it'd be like almost exactly if you uh, like quit your job, moved across the country, and then went into a McDonald's and was like, can I start one, that was exactly <laughs> what I was. I was like, I used Pope, but I should have gone with McDonald's franchise. Yeah. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. I want to start my own, but the fries will be made of dreams. Yeah, please leave. <laughs> and you said your name was Piotr? Uh, <laughs> sir, you smell awful. <laughs> Piotr McDonald's. <laughs> um, so after being rejected, Piotr became uh, kind of a monk of sorts. Basically, what he did was he started traveling from Penza to Belarus and back again. Um, yeah, as far as I know. As far as I know by foot, he could have been traveling by car and then stopping and talking to people. But it really seems like he was He's on some pilgrimage shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His Fitbit was, like, off the chain. You know what I'm damn. saying? Damn. Just like, damn, bitch, you healthy. And you're like, I thought this only gave me numbers. At this time, he went by uh, Brother Maxim, um, but he also eventually... Hey, hey. <laughs> He got some nice, big old naturals. Yeah. Brother Maxim. <laughs> Hi, I'm Brother Maxim, and that's my sister playboy. Hey. Uh, eventually, he started going by the less sexy Father Piotr. Uh, oh, okay. That's what he... Yeah. Really should have stuck with Brother Maxim. Yeah. Brother Maxim sounds like a secret agent. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Like, you know how we have Officer Rob? We have Brother Maxim. <laughs> a br- Brother Maxim sounds like already definitely is a porn star's name. He is probably played by Vin Diesel already. <laughs> Be like, I'm Brother Maxim. We lift these cars and then we shoot everybody with AKs. I'd watch that movie. I hate I, to say 100%. it, but I'd watch that movie. If, if there was a movie that was just Brother Maxim, I'm fucking excited for it. I'm willing to bet that if the Fast and Furious franchise just put a movie and it was just called, like, Fast, and, like, I would still go see it. Yeah, I hate them, well, yeah, and it's course. stupid, but I still watch them all the time. Right. Um, Piotr began writing books with new interpretations of the Bible. Some of his books had publication runs of up to what I found was, like, 17,000 copies um but his books have basically later been deemed 
hateful and spiteful and racist and against new religions, so they basically outlawed them and burned all copies that they could find. That's what I know. Which is, kind of sucks because I'd love to, like, read into this crazy person's mind, but also, it's kind of cool because, uh, big old fires are neat and, uh, (laughs) You can toast marshmallows on other people's dreams. Yeah, and burn evidence. Oh. Yeah, they were, so they kind of just got rid of all of them, and there's there's really nothing left. There might be a couple copies out there, but it's like more more or less collectors or just people that don't know what they have, you know? Piotr visited villages from Penza to Belarus, like I said, preaching his word. Uh, his message was that in the afterlife, you would become a judge in by following his religion, which is actually pretty genius because a big thing of what i did setting this up is you've basically seen that this is a country full of cucks and betas as far as they feel like please they don't feel... use that kind of language in our presence <laughs> you got a bunch of people who feel like powerless and like they don't have anything at all and uh that everyone above them has been controlling every single movement that they've ever made to the point where they were like okay you can finally whatever religion you want and people were like yeah and they were like yeah but not that one not that one not that one not that one you know only do really these ones and it's the old ones i'll go for it that's a real russian accent by the way (laughs) um so you have these people who feel powerless and he's basically telling them like hey if you when you follow me in the afterlife, you will have power. You will be the judge of what is good and what is bad. Which is always a powerful ideology and it's a powerful way to unite people. We've seen it a ton. Like Nazis use the same thing. You know, they vilify an other group and basically tell a group that is hurting that they will be on top. You see it now where people are like, "Yeah, we're going to bring coal jobs back and you'll be successful." That's not real. Like, those jobs don't exist anymore. It's just a way to create more division. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Engineered by the state, and you don't know what's happening because you think it's your idea. Exactly. So not not only is the backdrop for what's going on the perfect soil for a cult, but this is like... This is like the plant food on top of that perfect soil where he's like, not only is this what everyone's asking for, but also, you know how everyone's been treating you like a piece of shit? Well, you're not a piece of shit. You're going to judge them in the afterlife. So follow me. So he's also giving them power that they've never felt that they've had before. So uh, Piotr and his followers, which uh, he's got a couple dozen followers. The numbers are unclear a lot of this in different ways so that's kind of an interesting like motif to look at um they move back to penza which like i said is a poor area and move into these abandoned homes that also don't have like electricity or anything you know so he convinces all of these people to move back and this is in like 2006 i want to say at like the like 2007 latest but 2006 earliest was penza a city that had been abandoned it's not necessarily abandoned it's just like a poorer area so as 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 opposed to like a metropolis it's more of like a rural village does that make sense it's just like a smaller um area so think about this. They're living in a time with no electricity while Mr. Brightside is on the radio. Just putting that out there <laughs> for you. That's crazy. Isn't that nuts? I was graduating from high school. This is like... That's crazy. Yeah, yes. exactly. I know. 
Uh, his followers erected a large wooden cross at their prey site, which is how they started to get, like, attention from the villagers. You know, just getting uh, a huge erect wooden piece. Hey. Know? Fully erect. <laughs> yeah. Notice you had a... <laughs> Wooden piece. Wooden piece. <laughs> followers stopped attending school if they were children. Because, by the way, some of his followers, like the youngest of his followers, they found at like one point was probably when they got there was around like one year old. Jeez, that's not a follower. That's a prisoner. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, you're exactly. right on that. Not- I mean, you can you can have that debate with all followers and and stuff like that. The participation level of like what is a leader, what is a follower, what is a prisoner, and what is a cult leader. You know. Mm-hmm. So, um, one of the oldest ones, I believe, was. 82 or 86 it's somewhere in that range i know 80 is correct but it's somewhere in that range of 82 to 86 and i can't recall and i didn't write it down so you fucking nerds out there if you get it send it to us and if you don't care it doesn't matter it's like a you know it's not gonna make that big of a difference how sentient is this 86 is it just like oh there's a nice cross you got there i'll follow you wherever I don't know what that accent was. <laughs> Did they just get on the van thinking they were going to visit, like, the botanical gardens and yeah. then wind up at a cult? They said I could get shoes at the mall. <laughs> That's very sad but accurate. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that when they were putting up that giant cross, they were like, oh, my husband can't do that anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. Fully yeah. erect. That lady's going to get nailed on that cross. No! <laughs> oh! <laughs> Oh. Hey, break out! Hey, break out the break out the yogurt. Bring it in. All right, okay. get the yogurt and get one of those Craftmatic adjustable beds, and we're in business. <laughs> Ugh. Okay. Uh, gross. Uh, they stopped attending school and work, and did something that maybe you guys should have been doing, which is devoting your lives to God and only praying. You heathens, you. Yogurt-filled, gross heathen. <laughs> hey, you don't know what I did for, like, the first 18 years of my life. That's true, that's true, that's true. Uh, it wasn't that. I still, like, hung out. with. Okay. It. I was still pretty normal. Uh, yeah, well, these people, basically, they did nothing but pray all day. And when they weren't praying, they were listening to Piotr, like, preach his word. My dad has a name for that. So... We, we grew up religious. I would still call myself religious. Uh, and my dad would call that people who are so heavenly minded, they are no earthly good. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's really, That's really good. That's so funny. Because mm-hmm. there's so many people like that I've known where yeah. I'm like, you should probably get your child to stop eating the edge of the couch before you tell me. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> That's what Jesus would have done. He would have Jesus the didn't have too. a couch. He was a carpenter. It would have been benches. Ah. Hey. Uh this is around the time that Piotr received messages from God about the world's impending doom. Uh, the apocalypse that was scheduled for May 2008. Why are messages from God always about doom? Why isn't it like, hey, here's a great fruitcake recipe? (laughs) Why do people always schedule apocalypses in May? I don't know. Maybe it's something with... I I actually don't know. Because that's like um, another cult that we're going to cover at a later date. It was like May 21st. Um, You remember the ones that put up billboards. Oh, yeah, definitely. May 21st. And then... um, the we just recently covered uh, Yahweh, uh, what's his name? Yisrael. Yisrael. <laughs> Yisrael Hawkins. One of his was in May. 
People love May for the apocalypse. Well, it's just a beautiful time for the world to fucking end. Well, here's what April I'm going to tell April showers bring May apocalypses. Ah! <laughs> Um, no, maybe they're like one. it yeah. may Classic. happen. Oh. <laughs> um, I that's will... a good out. If I was ever a cult leader, I... <laughs> I said, no, you misunderstood me. I, I said, said that it, it may happen. happen. <laughs> uh, I will also remind people that the Bible says that no one knows the day or the time. So the second you say a day or a time, it's gonna not guaranteed. It's not gonna be that day yeah. or time. I also found reports that say like May eighth, two thousand and eight, and also May twenty eighth, two thousand and eight. So I'm not putting a date. So this sounds like a <coughs> may happen on a day that has an eight in it. Say eight. Yeah, also in 2008. <laughs> in 2008. You take some eight. Definitely after Cinco de Mayo. That's all that I can say <laughs> for sure. Look, it's a great holiday. We're going to have don't our last miss it. Taco Tuesday. We don't want to miss out on Cheryl's guacamole. Homemade guac. Or Juanita's borscht. And you, Juanita's borscht? I was going to say, what can you imagine this? a Russian-born native making guacamole? It's, it is just beets. <laughs> it's just beets and tears. <laughs> One of my coworkers makes guacamole with pineapple. It's delicious. Really? It's the best guacamole I've ever had. It was so you stupid make, good. You can make salsa with fruits, but keep it out of my fucking guac, okay, bro? I thought the same, agree. but it was so good. It, no. it was just this perfect tanginess. It was great. Get the fuck out of my room. You are a <laughs> sick woman. Okay, I'll try. This is also, this will kind of go into it. Uh, to Piotr, the spread of the new government IDs and the changing of technology was a sign of the coming of the Antichrist. He saw 666, which is the mark of the beast or the mark of the coolest kid in high school, uh, <laughs> in the money, including credit cards. The mark of the dropout. Oh, yeah. I said he was the coolest in high school, but once he leaves, he's just a loser. He's just the assistant manager at that McDonald's from earlier. <laughs> So you said your name is Peter? Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, he saw 666 in money, including credit cards, uh, UPC and barcodes, passports, the new government IDs, and basically had his followers destroy all of these things. So that's not uncommon. That is very, like, as for people who have a, a doomsday philosophy based even tangentially in Christianity, there is a huge, a huge emphasis on quote unquote, the mark of the beast. Um, we saw it in a couple other cults where they've got kind of a same fear, but anything that could electronically identify you is suspect, which at this point is literally everything on earth. Like you are wildly identifiable no matter what. Oh yeah. Watch, um, watch this. Hey Google. Oh God. I hate that thing. Are you tracking my every move? Your security comes first in everything Google does. Oh, sure. Google keeps your data private and safe and puts you in control. Fuck you, Skynet. Learn more about Google's privacy policy at privacy.google.com slash your-security.html. That's privacy.google.com slash your-security.html. You know what I think is funny is you feel bad interrupting a robot. It's not real. <laughs> I started to and stopped. It's not a real person. No, it's uh, not. Oh, oh, that's so terrifying. That's why I don't have one in my house, even though <laughs> I know my phone is listening to everything I say. Oh, Shut yeah. Shut up. That's the thing that sucks is sometimes I'll be like, I'll, I'll like call the, the, the Google dot or whatever, uh, but then my phone will respond to it as well. So then I just have two things that are always listening to oh me. Oh, God. Um, also, 
sort of on the same note of this, but he also banned TV, radio, cell phones, and anything emitting quote unquote evil electromagnetic waves. Oh, so, see, that's so he's very... just something my dad now. He <laughs> <laughs> um, was real into prog rock. <laughs> that Different is dad, kind but... of schizotypic. There, are, that's yeah. a common thread through. Well, it's part of the paranoia thread. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh-huh. Well, that's that's the thing. Uh, so one follower whose name his first name is Nikolai I cannot even d- begin to pronounce his last name but he explained uh, Piotr is a very wise man he interprets the Bible so well that we believe he is prophet to believe in doomsday you have to understand the meaning of the codes and the numbers I'm just imagining his last name is like if you took a game of boggle and just like shook it all up and then we're like I don't know you read it it's uh, Pondelnik <laughs> P-O-N-E-D-E-L-N-I-K. Basically, if you got it in Scrabble, you'd fuck everyone up. <laughs> um, yeah, that's so that's what he says. It, it's basically like, he's so smart, and he kind of lords that over people. You get the sense of that. Because he does have real, actual degrees. He was a civil engineer. He's not a dumb person. He's a smart guy. So he's using these things to sound smarter than you. But after your brain is overtaken by schizophrenia, it doesn't matter how many degrees you had when you were not schizophrenic. Well, th- that's, the, that's the rough thing. And I hate when someone is, is mentally ill, I hate being like crazy because that's not accurate. Because when you think about it with proper treatment, he he's still that same guy in there. Like those degree, like he's a smart dude. He's a smart dude that unfortunately... Uh, suffers from an illness, which is very rough and something that he can't control uh, and also led him to s- start this crazy cult. Exactly. Also, that that is the other thing that I found out. I've done a, a little bit of research into this, but as far as I know, uh, like the paranoid schizophrenia, it doesn't, it doesn't deteriorate your mind to the point of not working. You're still as smart. You're just like not well, you know? You're, well, you're... What happens... I have a friend who's paranoid schizophrenic and it's because he took acid way too much from age like 13 to we actually 16. covered that if you're genetically predisposed acid can kick that shit into high yeah, exactly. he he took way too much of it but he growing up like he was super smart and we would play chess together and he would win all the time in like a couple moves like he's a super super smart person and then wait, when wait, against you I'm a horrible at chess. Yeah, I don't think he's that smart. I think he's really <laughs> no, no but chess. he's just like even. But when when you're in fifth grade and you can win any chess game in like a couple moves, like you're just someone who's like good at that shit, you know. Yeah. Um, and he's when we when I started talking to him, I didn't know he was schizophrenic, and then one day I just got all these messages, and he still would sound really smart, and then it would sound like he was. I was like, is this poetry? Like, what is happening? And then he it would get progressively more and more paranoid in a smart way, but just like terrifying. Essentially yeah. it's almost like it's, I had to call his it's re, yeah, redirecting your intelligence towards different topics. Yeah. If that makes sense. Also sort of like a, an interesting way to look at it. And I know this is a, a um, fictionalized version of it, but it's based off of real things is if you ever watched better call Saul, the show that's uh, a spinoff of Breaking Bad, it goes into uh, Saul Goodman's brother, who has this thing where he believes that electromagnetic waves will, like, harm him. Um, And he's a smart, rational person, and they explain how it's his brain creating these mental gymnastics to kind of get over something else that he was really traumatized over. 
But he is still a smart guy, so in the show, he, like, explains it as scientifically as possible, even though it is kind of a bullshit thing. Like, he's still smart, he's just mentally ill. Yes. You know? Yeah. yeah. And not, like, mentally really cool, like, mentally, you need some help, buddy. Yeah. Well, and think about it. This is the sticks. I mean, there's not even electricity. Competent yeah. mental health care, probably not happening. Oh, no. Not, no, 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 no. Speaking of rock, sticks, am I right? Okay. Hey! <laughs> yeah, how come no one ever talks about prog sticks? <laughs> we gotta record a prog rock cover album. Oh my god, I Set can't wait. Open uh, so this is, again, I mean, you can call it speculation if you want, or just inferring based off of whatever, but again, speculation zone! Um, fascination and obsession with numbers is a symptom of paranoid schizophrenia. It's where patients kind of see ominous patterns where there are none. Especially, numbers are a big one because it is the base uh, building blocks for how you view the world. Like, we teach kids numbers really early. Like, even more, like, they'll they'll develop, I think it was, like, language, and then, like, numbers are the second thing. Because it's like, okay, there's this many, and then you take this away, and then now there's this many, you know, stuff like that. So it's what we, when you start seeing ominous signs in all numbers, shit kind of starts to get terrifying. Pterodactyl flying? Okay. Oh, pterodactyl flying. <laughs> hey, I, there's no joke. It's just no, 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 no. But I like it. I like any mention of dinosaurs. <laughs> Religion's also a popular fixation for schizotypic personality types. Yeah. <clears throat> it is something that that pops up again and again and again because it's just kind of I mean it's something that you've been in like indoctrinated into. Yeah, well, it's it's also something that is a familiar fixture in some people's lives. So yeah. if you were religious as a kid, it's pretty likely that that's kind of the route that some of your hallucinations and things will take. Oh, of course, and especially he's feeling this weird pressure because you, you have to realize is that he grew up following this church and then he asked to become part of the church and they went no yeah so you have to realize like, that's also probably gonna fuck with you a little bit yeah yeah Piotr does something he decrees a vow of silence and also the disassociation from the roc from the uh, the russian orthodox church and the members families and and it's it basically creates the perfect opportunity for brainwashing you know yeah. he's you can't talk to your family because they won't understand and they won't adopt your new way of living uh the russian orthodox church isn't doing what we're doing they're not taking it far enough so you have to disassociate from them also you can't talk to anyone uh and you can't no one can talk to you so you're only getting your information from Pyotr, who is a paranoid schizophrenic leading this group of people you but know did they have cool matching outfits <laughs> it seems like no it seems like they had really <sighs> ugly matching rags maybe <laughs> oh, you gotta um, get that nike special <laughs> <laughs> not in russia it's probably in just adidas track suits that's the nicest thing they own there more um, like yikey special Ooh, okay. i like that that's good uh Pyotr reported Ones that local drunks beat beat up their men and swore at their women, which I shouldn't be <laughs> laughing, but it's just such a goofy way to say that. Um, so to kind of avoid what he called uh, the Russian term for riffraff or juvenileism and stuff like that, he received a new message from God. He had to move underground. So that's when in 
2007, the summer of 2007, the group began construction of a large pit led by their leader, who was, by the way, a former civil engineer, um, and one of their former members, uh, Vitaly Sergei Netogon. I fucking, fucking all of that up. I know Sergei is good, uh, but he said... Uh, he said the Lord had told him we should build a large pit so we could live in it in the winter and summer. Sounds logical. Yeah. Well, if you're a rabbit. <laughs> exactly. It also he says only in winter and summer, which caused me to think like, what about fall and spring, man? Mm-hmm. A, are you gonna come out? Are you hibernating? What are yeah, you doing? Yeah. Um. So most of the thirty members worked almost nonstop, including working at night. Uh, for a month and a half to create their new home, and Pyotr reported that the cave was 50 meters in length and the height of a man. Which I don't know what a man is to them, because to me, I'm six foot five, but to them, what is it, like five foot eight? Yeah, I mean, it might. I mean, you're exceptionally large, but Thank I'm you. probably six feet. Yeah, well, I don't know. Height of a man, not of a woman, just to be clear, though. In building the cave and amassing supplies, like a lot of gas, kerosene, food, etc., the group found that they needed money, and that's when members of the group started selling off their homes and possessions and giving all of the money to Pyotr, which is something that we've seen again, like in the Yellow Deli cult that we covered. You sell all your possessions, give the money to the church, and then you work for the church and all of that money goes back to the church. So, you know, it's like selling possessions. You have nothing. Um, and it just kind of, it's another way of fully committing yourself. You know, you have nothing to go back to if you do leave. Uh, on November 7th, 2007, the group went underground into the cave and sealed themselves inside to await the apocalypse. This is in November of 2007. They think the world's going to end in May of 2008. So they... They got a couple of months. Not a ton of lead time, though. No. No, really, no. Um, Eleven days pass with them sealing themselves into the cave, and that's when local villagers notice that they've done something, because they they got no men to beat up or women to swear at, I guess. (laughs) So that's when they notify authorities. Uh, Authorities arrive on scene, and they're told by the group that they have 100 gallons of gas and would detonate it if anyone tried to force them out. Good lord. Yeah, this is where we're getting into Armando's favorite part of cult podcast, which is occupying a place. (laughs) (laughs) Please send dildos. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, that's kind of the thing, is this group didn't want anything from anybody. In fact, their only demand um, was to be left alone so that they could pray underground. That's the only thing they wanted. We're praying. Leave us alone. Stop breaking my glasses. You're not my real dad and you never will be. Get out of my room. Get get out of my cave. It's the size of a man. All right. That's enough. I'm just reading. Gosh. Uh, The group, again, is about 30 to 35 people, the youngest being 18 months, the oldest being around 82 or 86. Who gives a shit? Um, The nearby village emergency units, uh, including police, government police, medical responders, fire, all of that, they kind of just hung out in the event that something happened. They stayed out of sight, 
but they were there in case they needed, you know, in case shit popped off, they would be there. It was just, you know, they kind of handled it pretty well. After they were told, we'll blow ourselves up, they all went, all right, let's kind of, let's kind of take it Take, take it easy. It easy. Yeah, yeah, let's fight fire with not fire, you know? <laughs> let's, let's try that. A lot of early reports of what we have about the cult, their beliefs, and the purpose of the cave actually comes from an interview done by a member who made it to the cave too late. (laughs) 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 He, like, showed up late, which is like, I just imagine, he was like, guys, I overslept, I'm so sorry! And then the TV (laughs) cameras were there, and he was like, yeah, I'll talk to you, I don't give a shit. And they were like, god damn it, Gary, you're such a piece of shit. (laughs) So they sent negotiators to negotiate, which is their job. Uh, it was unsuccessful. They tried to talk through an air vent. They really only talked through letters because, again, vow of silence. Uh, they tried to coax them out. The group refused and told them to go away. That's when the Russian Orthodox Church sent over priests and the group not only refused, but proclaimed that they were the true Russian Orthodox Church, and the Russian Orthodox Church was, in slightly more words, a bunch of pussy fucks. <laughs> they were just saying, like, you don't know what you're talking about. We're the chosen ones. Get fucked. Um, the Russian Orthodox Church, in the funniest ever example of like i don't know like subtweeting basically (laughs) announced that it would be praying for the members who had been lost on their path to become one with god uh and they stated that the only way to get them out was through prayer and persuasion that was the only thing that would work and anything else would lead to death as the group stay in their cave moved into winter temperatures dropped and they realized (laughs) that they had uh, not fully thought out the fact that it gets cold as fucking shit in Russia. <laughs> right. So they're in there in a fucking cave. And how many of them were bears? <laughs> <laughs> I believe all of them. Okay, great. Um, so Bear they were, cult. Yeah, they were set up to hibernate, but I guess it didn't really work. Uh, also, four of these are children, by the way. So Oof. it's like... That's always upsetting. Yeah. Once yeah. we move into the fact that it's like getting it's getting really cold and you have four children inside, this is when people were like, okay, this is a dire situation. We need to get these people out. Well, someone's going to die. Between yeah. the children and the old people, it's like, come on, what are you doing? Exactly. Um, soon it was discovered, and this is... I want you to just enjoy this little piece of stupidity here and hypocrisy. It was discovered that the group's leader, Piotr, was not actually inside of the cave. Wait, what? Yeah, he didn't lock himself inside the cave. In fact, he stayed behind, and there was a group of people that locked themselves in a house. I read a few reports. The only people it talked about were two women, so I'm kind of inclined to believe that it was just Piotr and two women, if that makes any sense. Yeah, yeah. I don't have anything to, to suggest they were, like, fucking, and Piotr has always claimed that he was staying behind to find the people that came too late but that one guy came too late and they kind of left him behind so it's like you know so uh they found Piotr inside of that house they arrest him they deported the two women because they weren't from uh russia i believe they were from belarus and as they were being deported they were basically yelling like you don't know what you're doing and if you try and kick our friends out of the cave they're going to attack you I don't know what this accent is but they basically I have sweet karate moves (laughs) (laughs) that's when uh, that's when the women were quoted as saying 
as far as cave people go, if they die, they die. Oh, thank you, Ivan Drago. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. Uh, they didn't actually say that, but they did say that if you try and take him out, God would have his revenge. You murdered Apollo Creed. I know, and he never apologized. Anyway. Pyotr was arrested and refused to give up the names of the members of the cult. And there's actually not a lot of their names publicized, like, ever. He, he didn't really give any of them up. The only ones that we really know about by name are people that families came forward and were like, oh, they're missing, and they went with this piece of shit, uh, so help us find them. Authorities enlisted the help of Pyotr to try and get the members to come out, but after communicating through an air vent, the members decided that they no longer trusted Pyotr and went against his will. So this is one of the only instances of a cult following somebody that they deemed to be a prophet and then going, nah, not anymore, not anymore, dude. <laughs> no, I don't think you know the true will. I mean, like, even yeah. though you told us about it in the first place, but... This is something that I've read. I've read one like article thing about this. It was like more of a think piece. And so again, this is speculation. But uh, one of the things that they did in the going after religions during the Soviet Union is they would send KGB agents to be part of like the clergy, mm -hmm. and then they would use that to like corrupt people that were involved with the church. And uh, so these people kind of already have a sort of like backlog of memories of church members not being trustworthy anymore you know what i'm saying so it could be part of that that they were just like yeah no we don't trust you anymore it's kind of like a band kicking out the lead singer exactly and that's when uh vitle sergey netagon remember that guy i talked about earlier he's the new leader oh great <laughs> yeah so that guy is the new leader inside the cave Yoder, who's no longer of any use to anyone, was charged with starting a religious organization associated with violence. So they basically arrest him, charge him, uh, they try and prosecute him, but then somebody goes, maybe we send him to a psychiatric hospital. They do. Turns out, paranoid schizophrenia. Like, yeah. real bad. Yeah, yeah. Um, and what year is this now? This is like... This is 2007. 2007? Yeah. Oh, shit. This, this is all 2007. College, yeah. This is... Well, this is moving into early 2008. February of 2008, uh, a young woman inside of the bunker reportedly dropped a candle and set fire to the prayer room. And also remember, a hundred gallons of gasoline. <gasps> yeah, yeah, yeah. So they refused emergency services and instead put out the fire themselves. There's no reports of anyone being injured. They did, um, the police put in microphones into air vents so they knew that the fire happened, but they couldn't bust in because they were more afraid than ever that they with, would actual, the yeah, gasoline. with actual fire going on that they would just be so much easier. But that also means that your trapped and smoke inhalation can kill you just as badly. Yeah, exactly. And that is something, they do have air vents while the cave is in its current state that help to kind of, you know, free that out. Mm -hmm. There was some albeit small, but there was some forethought put into the building of the cave, as assumedly by Pyotr himself. Are they just straws in dirt? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. I mean, there was a lot of digging that they did. There's also something else that I found that I'm not going to talk about that much, but I found evidence that they were building separate caves, too. 
that oh, were possibly either to be like the other places that they went during like spring and fall maybe or during other times you need yourself a summer cave darling Exactly. This is my summer cave. Uh, <laughs> it's a family cave. I'm just picturing. Um, what's it? What's the one? Um, oh, Joanne the Joanne scammer? the scammer. I'm picturing Joanne the scammer touring a summer cave. <laughs> <laughs> just like this is great. It's wonderful. You should all have one. Uh, in March of 2008, plans to help rescue the group evacuate in the event of severe floods or you know the cave basically falling apart because we're reaching spring. And here's the thing: after winter, all that snow fucking melts, and that's really bad for your fucking mud and sand and dirt cave. You know? Yeah. Well, also, I'm trying to figure: do they have food stored up? Yes. Okay. <laughs> Yes, they had food stored up. Um, in late March, authorities brought Pyotr and some uh, ROC priests and emergency services to help coax the members out of the cave. But again, believing their former leader to be compromised, instead they just shot at the police. Oh, well, like with guns. They shot at the police. How many of these people are there? 12? There's about 35. That's so dumb. Yeah. Um, they shot at the police... It doesn't seem like anyone's ever really been charged for this, although they might have been trying to put it on Pyotr, but they can't really charge him because he's mentally incompetent to stand trial. Although, they're trying as hard as they can to charge him with something. So, a few days later, they bring Pyotr back, and they are able to coax out seven women who desperately need immediate medical attention. So they get these women out, they take care of them, and then they just kind of let them go. And they can go back to do whatever. Again, these people shot at people mm-hmm. and threatened terrorism, but they're just let go. And as far as I know, nothing ever happened to any of them. Our justice um, system is hard at work. Well, their justice system. Their justice system. We do not live in Russia. (laughs) (laughs) Heavy rains and mudslides began to fill the cave, compromising the structure. And the group kind of tries to fortify the cave as much as they can, but it's all for nothing because a bunch of melted snow floods it, collapses it, and uh, forces 14 members to be evacuated immediately. Who And this is a, a good change from what they've normally been doing. They don't fight it at all. They don't fight even for a second. They're brought out, they're treated, and then they're just let go. Um, Seeing an eventual end to his cult, the media and prosecutors shitting on him, everyone was talking about Pyotr, and they were like, yeah, talk to that guy. What a fucking crazy person. (laughs) Like, they were, like, saying this stuff in the news um, and possibly realizing that his doomsday prediction might be wrong. Pyotr attempts to commit suicide in one of the weirdest ways to ever do it, which is by trying to crush his head between a tree trunk and a log of wood. Why did that he bother? So, like the Ewok style? Like yeah, that at? Exactly. Jeez, what? It's I don't understand. I mean, here's the thing. He's in a mental institution. Why they got logs laying around a mental institution? It's so weird. So that's the way that he does it. But he now he now has like brain damage, and they like need to do operations on him to even like keep him alive. So that they kind of like take him out for like I think it was like at least a week that he was in a coma, basically. Jesus. Um. So he survives, but 
after the news of the suicide attempt reaches the group, they decided to continue to wait in the cave, kind of taking as as a sort of sign that the end was coming. Like they saw, like okay, that is our leader, and he's trying to get out now because the end is coming. Um, in mid-April, the group finally asked for help by requesting water. This is really big because it's super small, but they have asked for nothing and have yeah. even refused help when there was a fucking fire going on. Right. Uh, the group announced they would not leave until after the day the apocalypse was predicted. But heavy rains continued damaging the built entrance of the cave, kind of crushing it. Authorities yeah. became concerned... Uh, for the well-being of the group as they started to change the day of the event. Like, they basically were like, we're going to stay until May 28th or May 8th or July or June. You know, like, they kept pushing it all over the place. So they thought, like, maybe these people are starting to go crazy. Um, they They were really afraid and they told people not even to come because these people are showing, like, they've... There's, like, a confirmed, like, 20 people left, and they don't even have their leader anymore, and they've just heard that he's trying to commit suicide, and they've been in here for months, so they think that if something goes wrong, they'll, like, literally have a short fuse and detonate all that gasoline. In May of 2008, rain came again and caused the cave to collapse. Emergency services came and rescued more members, about nine of them, who went willingly. Eleven members are left and remain in what is left of the cave, uh, and authorities had worried that some of them had died in the collapse. And that's when they announced again that they wouldn't be leaving. But on May 16th, 2008, the last nine survivors emerged after the toxic and putrid fumes of two rotting corpses have made the cave uninhabitable. Death Jesus. smell is no joke. No. And because the cave collapsed, they no longer had their air vents. So they were basically staying in what could be a toxic... Yeah. Um, so what happened afterwards? The remains of the cave were demolished in a controlled explosion. They just completely got rid of it. They didn't want it to be there. A couple of people, like investigators and media, went in afterwards and they saw the way it was built. It was like kind of like a living room area and then like five cells and then like a big... Um, kind of praying area like kind of like a church type of thing um it looked disgusting and it was super obvious how uninhabitable it was from the beginning like it's just they had their well for water next to their toilet is is this something this is something they just create out of nothing basically they just started building into the floor that's so weird. Uh, investigators looked into the two dead members and concluded that one of them had died naturally of cancer and the other one from extreme malnourishment from prolonged fasting. So that it seems like they really were running out of supplies way faster than they thought they would. Yeah. Um, some of the cult members continue to follow their lifestyle and continue to wait for the end of the world uh, and follow, I assume, Sergei now. Um, and as of 2011, Pyotr remains in psychiatric care, and as far as anything I can say or find, he's still there, alive, and getting help. And that's the end. Jeez. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. It's really interesting, and there's not a lot of information out there on the subject, so that's why some of this was kind of a weird history lesson, because I really want to show the time that he's living in and the area that he's in, it was perfect. Like, Om Shinrikyo still has cells in in Russia, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. it's, it is, it's been 
bred to be like a place that needs some sort of rebellion or some sort of weird shit to happen. But that's that's uh them's the breaks. If you uh, yeah. So uh let's get into this fun part. If you liked me doing research and talking in the world's worst Russian accent, and you want more <laughs> of s- stuff like that, go ahead and follow me on social media, Instagram and Twitter at mondo does stuff. That's M A N D O does stuff all one word. And if you like my voice occasionally singing prog rock, prog rock into this microphone, uh, I'm at Rampage Wesley on Instagram or at Page Wesley on Twitter. Um, and I am roast battling Justin Madsen on June 21st. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you like my voice, you can follow me at Sundress Comic. You can check out my podcast, Andrea Loves Everybody. Or what you should really do if you live in Los Angeles, come to the Boomtown Brewery this Thursday at... 8.30 p.m. We have a oversharing show, Paula Viganalan and I. Oh, yeah. So uh, a friend of the stoked. show, Paula Viganalan yeah. and Andrea Gazetta have a show together. And it's, I haven't been to the first one, but I've heard it's very fun. And I will definitely be at the second one. Oh, yay. I'm yay. so excited. Yeah. Uh, if you like our, I was going to say dumb, but I think this is a kind of a smart show. This is a I smart think, episode. This one was a good one. It's very good. Yeah. Do you? I could be a history teacher, you right? You totally could. Yeah, if you ignore the terrible beard, uh, the overgrown hair, the tattoos, and the frequent waving around of my arms. I think the spitting really sold it for me. I was like, you yeah, yeah, could yeah, be yeah. an old man. Yeah. yeah, I kept spitting and saying, fuck, and then making like all these weird jokes. If you cut out all of that, my personality, if you take away all of that, I'd be a good history teacher. Or if you kept it in, I'd be a great sub. There you go. There you go. Of anything. Um, If you like their meatball (laughs) flavor, I believe in his language it's a torta. Hey, that was great. That was a good. If you like, if you liked our smart little show, then go ahead and follow us on Instagram at Colt Podcast. On Twitter at Colt Podcast Show. If you'd like to send us uh, an email, maybe a question, maybe some fan love, or maybe some fan hate, I don't care. Do whatever you got to do. Email it to us. Uh, at cold podcast show at gmail.com and if you want to send us your skull filled with sour cream please or, do no one's done it no one's done it yet or uh cheeses or more hollywood youth paraphernalia oh yeah or if you just send me your favorite prog rock album i will take that too that sounds great uh if you're in the facebook group uh list out your favorite prog rock song we'll make a fun playlist uh, but you can send us actual stuff at 3756 West Avenue 40, Suite K, number 237. Like, like the, the Shining. Shining. Los Angeles, California, 90065. And don't drink the cave juice. Oh, I can't even imagine. It's just an amass of all of the fluids they create. Oh. Yeah, don't drink oh. the Kool-Aid. Oh. Bye. Bye. This is the prog rock remix. I almost almost, almost, like like fade out into Mr. Blue Sky.